نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يذلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. And I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We would like to begin our discussion this evening as we continue in the sharh or the explanation of Al-Aqidah, Al-Tahawiyah, Al-Imam, Abu Ja'afa, Ahmed ibn Hamid, Al-Tahawi, with a brief review of the points which we covered in the last lecture. Point number, starting with point number 54, the saying of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, Rahimahullah, وَنُسَمِّي أَهْلَ قِبْلَتِنَا مُسْلِمِينَ مُؤْمِنِينَ That we name or we call the people of our Qibla, those who face our Qibla, the Kaaba in Salat, we call them, we name them Muslims and we name them Mu'mineen, believers. Muslimin, Mu'mineen. Madamu bima ja'a bihi an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam mu'tarifina walahu bi kulli ma qala wa akhbara musaddiqina. Yani we consider and we name and we call the people who face the Kaaba and the Qibla of Islam in their salat, we name them Muslims and Mu'min as long as they confess to and admit to that which the Prophet ﷺ came with and as long as they testify to the truthfulness of whatever he has said and whatever he has informed us of. The important point here is that whoever claims Islam and faces the Kaaba in their Salat and additionally they don't claim something to be lawful which Allah has made haram or they don't declare something haram which Allah has made lawful and if they testify to the truthfulness of what the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has come with they admit to it they admit that it is truth and they believe in it accept it and submit to it and that includes the points of belief al-aqidah as well as the laws the sharia the divine law as well as the rulings all of the ahkam that he brought which is contained in the sharia that is which is based on the Quran and authentic sunnah. 
if they fulfill these conditions, then we call them by this name, Islam, Muslim, or the name Iman, Mu'min. We say that they are Muslims and that they are believers. And we also said that we shouldn't declare them to be outside of Islam if they fulfill these conditions as long as they don't uh, commit sins and hold those sins to be lawful. Yani they do acts of disobedience claiming that even though Allah has made it unlawful, they claim it to be lawful. Also we mentioned that here in this expression Al-Imam Al-Tahawi used these two words together Muslimin and Mu'mineen and one might understand from his usage here that these two terms are of the same meaning that their meaning is one and in fact the scholars said concerning this that whenever they are used together in the same sentence each has its own meaning but if any one of them is used alone then it contains the meaning of both we said that when they are used together each has its own meaning Muslim refers to the outward actions of prayer and fasting and such things and Mu'min refers to the inner things of the heart the belief, the aqidah that one, the conviction that one has in the heart believing uh, in that which came with the prophets as well as believing in the past histories of the nations as revealed in the Qur'an or of the future. Whenever they are used separately, Islam also means Iman. And if Iman is used separately alone, it also includes Islam. Uh, That's basically what we said about this. Then uh, the next point Al-Imam Al-Tahawi mentions Point number 55 وَلَا نَخُوضُ فِي اللَّهِ وَلَا نُمَارِي فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ That we don't enter into argumentation or conjecture and vain talk concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those things that are exclusive or particular to Him such as His names and characteristics and qualities and actions and those things concerning Allah's rulership or sovereignty of the universe those things that are only known to him nor do we argue and debate with others concerning the deen of Allah whether it is the disbelievers or those who deviated from the truth we don't waste our time arguing disputing and debating Uh, the things concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are not to argue about them because his names and attributes and characteristics and qualities and actions and sovereignty and the wisdom behind his actions which might be unknown to the human beings those things are matters of the unseen that we cannot know except by revelation so we don't engage in discussions or vain talk about such things that we have no knowledge of we only say what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said about himself or what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam has said other than that we don't go beyond such in our discussion concerning Allah and, and likewise we don't engage in discussions concerning the doubtful matters or confusing matters or issues uh, that are outside of the clear proofs 
and evidences and principles and rules and laws and information that's contained in the Quran and Sunnah يعني, such as those doubtful matters which have been raised by the enemies of Islam whether from outside the disbelievers or from inside the hypocrites or the munafiqeen because such discussions and argumentation and debate leads to confusion and corruption of the deen also the final point we discussed last week is point number 56 in which Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah says وَلَا نُجَادِلُ فِي الْقُرْآنِ that we don't argue concerning the Qur'an يعني meaning by our opinions وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّهُ كَلَامُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ and we testify and bear witness that the Qur'an it is the speech of the Lord of the world نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحِ الْأَمِينَ it has uh, come down with the angel Jibreel the trusted spirit he, is, he descended with the Qur'an فَأَلَّمَهُ سَيِّدَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ and he taught it to the leader or the master of the messengers Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو كلام الله تعالى لا يساويه شيء لا يساويه شيء من كلام المخلوقين it is the speech of Allah the Most High and nothing of the speech of the creatures human or otherwise is equal or similar to it وَلَا نَقُولُ بِخَلْقِهِ we do not say that the Quran is created we don't agree with the opinion of those who said such وَلَا نُخَالِفُ جَمَاعَةَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ and we don't oppose the jama'ah the group of the Muslims the first group of the Muslims the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم أجمعين and whoever came after them from amongst their students the Tabi'un and the students of the Tabi'un and the Imams of the people of Sunnah we don't oppose them or conflict with them or contradict what they believe concerning the Qur'an that the Qur'an is not created that it is the speech of Allah and not created nor do we conflict or oppose what they have said concerning other matters of the deen about which there is agreement or consensus uh, of the Muslim Ummah but we should be in accordance with what came with the first generation of the Muslims, the Sahaba and whoever followed in their way after them until our time this is a brief summary of what we covered in the previous lecture uh, and we also uh, mentioned a number of questions at the end yani, that were contained in the handout at the end those questions inshallah it should be yani, possible to answer them from the points that we discussed in the previous lecture tonight inshallah we would like to continue where we left off last week uh, with the saying of al-imam al-tahawi in point number 57 and actually the next few points number 57 and 58 and 59 and that which comes after it they are all related to the same topic and it is a very sensitive topic and a critical topic that should be understood by the Muslims although we have discussed it on many occasions at some times uh, at some point we discussed it in detail in our explanation of the essay of Imam Ahmed Usul Sunnah and on other occasions we discussed it 
In the future, inshallah, we will continue to discuss it. It is the issue of takfir. It is the issue of takfir. The issue of declaring someone from amongst the Muslim ummah, those who face our qibla, and who sacrifice their animals as we sacrifice, and who basically, at least on the surface, outwardly show the form of Islam, is it lawful for us to declare them to be Muslims or to be non-Muslims, to declare them to be out of Islam, and under what circumstances or conditions is that possible? Uh, this is the issue that these points are surrounding. Al-Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah first says in point number 57, Concerning the belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, وَلَا نُكَفِّرُ أَحَدًا مِنْ أَهْلِ قِبْلَةِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِبْلَةِ بِذَنْبٍ مَا لَمْ يَسْتَحِلَّهُ That we do not declare anyone of the people of our Qibla, the people who face the Kaaba in their Salat, we do not declare any one of them to be non-Muslims, to be disbelievers, due to any sin or act of disobedience which they have committed as long as they do not consider their sinful act to be halal or to be lawful. This is the first point that Imam al-Tahawi mentions. And this is something that's agreed upon by Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah and those who deviated from such uh, are those who contradicted and opposed the Jama'at al-Muslimin. They opposed the position of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een and the Tabi'een and those who came after them. We should keep this as a point or as a principle clear in our mind that the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah do not declare anyone from the people of this Qibla to be out of Islam for any action, any sin, act of disobedience that they commit as long as they don't claim that that act of disobedience or that sin is lawful. As long as they admit that it's sinful and that they are wrong for doing so, then we cannot say that that person has gone out of Islam and they are kafir because of a sin that they commit, whether it's a minor sin or a major sin. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumayis in his brief commentary of Al-Aqidah al-Tahawiyyah says the Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah do not declare the kufr of any Muslim due to a sin which he has committed whether it is a minor sin or a major sin except in the case that that person declares such an action to be lawful and the words that he used here are important and it will be mentioned by a number of the scholars also he said the exception illa إِذَا اسْتَحَلَّهُ اِسْتِحْلَالًا قَلْبِيًّا And we do not declare them to be kafirs for any sin that they commit except in the case that they declare their action to be lawful. Declare it to be lawful in their heart. They believe that it is lawful. They have the aqidah or belief or conviction that it is lawful. And here the point is, which will be explained more clearly as we go along, that there is a difference between the declaration of something to be lawful by action and declaring it to be lawful by conviction. Declaring it to be lawful by action means that the person commits the act. 
Yani their actions is a statement that they consider it to be lawful, the fact that they do it. But we are not talking about that. We are talking about the one who in their heart believes it to be lawful. Yani in their conviction, they said that this thing which Allah has made unlawful, they believe that it is lawful. Uh, in that case, if they have the conviction in their heart that an act of disobedience or a sin, that it is lawful, in that case, they might be declared to be a kafir for the reason that they have declared lawful something that Allah has made unlawful. Not for the act of committing the sin. They are not being declared a kafir for their action, for their sinful behavior, but they are being declared a kafir because they believe that that sinful behavior which Allah has made forbidden, they believe that it is lawful. And this position is contrary to the position of the khawarij. The khawarij. Those who declared the Muslims to be kafirs due to acts of disobedience which they have performed. And they declared the Muslims who committed such sins or acts of disobedience to be outside of Islam. If someone drinks alcohol or commits adultery or murder or some other such acts which are major sins, it is not our right to declare that person to be out of Islam. He is not really a Muslim. She is not really a Muslim. Look, they are committing adultery. They are doing such drinking alcohol in public. That one is not a Muslim. This is the opinion and the position and the aqidah of the Khawarij. The Khawarij is one of the earliest groups that deviated from the way of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions and they had many wrong beliefs from amongst them is the topic of discussion this evening that whoever commits a major sin that person becomes a kafir is out of Islam and remains in the hellfire forever for eternity even though that person fasted and prayed and declared themselves to be a Muslim by the commission of a major sin that person goes out of Islam and they would remain in the hellfire forever. This is the opinion of the Khawarij. Here, uh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz, Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him, said in his commentary concerning this point, in his commentary uh, of the Aqidah al Tahawiyah, he says the statement of Imam al-Tahawi that we do not declare anyone of our Qibla to be a kafir due to a sin that they commit as long as they don't claim that that sin is lawful. He said the meaning or the intended meaning of Imam al-Tahawi here is that the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah do not declare a Muslim, a Muwahid, a Mu'min Billah, the one who believes in Allah alone and declares Allah's Tawheed, believing in Allah in the last day, we do not declare such a person to be a kafir due to a sin that they commit such as fornication or drinking alcohol or taking interest or disobedience to parents or other such acts which are major sins as long as that person doesn't claim or declare such acts to be lawful. A Muslim, muwahid, mu'min billah wal yawm al-akhir, a Muslim who believes in Allah and testifies to his oneness and believes in the last day, if they commit a major sin, we cannot declare that person to be a kafir. 
Then he says, but if that person claims such acts are lawful, then he becomes a kafir. And this is because that person has denied the sayings of Allah and his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Therefore they go outside of the deen of Allah. Yani if Allah says in the Quran that this thing is haram and then they said no it's halal, then they have said that what Allah has said is false. If the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that something is lawful and they said no it's forbidden, then they have denied what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said and they went outside of his religion, outside of the deen of Allah. Then he goes on to say, as long if that person doesn't declare such acts to be lawful, then the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that that person is not declared to be a kafir, but that person is considered to be of weak iman. That person who commits such acts is considered to be of weak iman. And also, the ruling concerning such a person will be based on the actions of disobedience that they commit. They might be considered a facet, immoral person, disobedient person. According to the act that they commit, then they will be classified as such. And they will also be subject to, according to the act that they commit, subject to the implementation of the Islamic laws of punishment upon them. If they commit an act of stealing, they may have their hand cut off. If they commit an act of adultery, they might be stoned to death and so on. But still, though the law may be implemented on them, it doesn't mean that that person now went out of Islam. It doesn't mean that we can declare them to be out of Islam. This is the statement or the opinion or the position of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah. He says, as opposed to al-Khawarij and al-Mu'tazila and whoever followed in their false way. This is the opinion of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah as opposed to the position of the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila. He says here that verily the Khawarij are those who declared the Muslims to be disbelievers due to sins. And the Mu'tazila said that the one who commits such sins is in a position or a station or a status between two status or two positions. They are bayna manzilatain. One of those positions is Islam and the other one is Kufr. They said that, the Mu'tazila said that whoever commits a major sin, they are between Islam and Kufr. They are not in Islam and they are not in Kufr. They are between the two. In this world, but as for in the next life, both the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila are in agreement that the Muslim who commits a major sin is in the hellfire eternally, never to come out. And if they said, in this world, the Khawarij said, the one who commits a major sin is a kafir. And the Mu'tazila said, he's neither a Muslim nor a kafir. But as for in the next life, both of them agree that the one who commits a major sin would be entered, would be sent to the hellfire and they would never come out of it. So essentially, their opinion is the same. Though it appears to be a little different. Both of these opinions, the Shaykh Rahimahullah says, both of these opinions are false. As we can see from the Quran, and the Sunnah, and the consensus of the early generations of this Ummah. 
Unfortunately, this matter, the matter, the opinion of these two groups, Khawarij and Mu'tazila, has been unclear to some people due to their lack of knowledge. But in fact, the position and opinion and belief of these two groups is really very clear amongst those people of truth who have knowledge of the Qur'an and Sunnah as has been made clear here and Allah is the one who grants success. Further, concerning this matter, due to its importance, it is important that we should make it very clear so that we ourselves don't fall into such actions or such belief of declaring someone to be out of Islam even if we do it indirectly. Sometimes in our statements we indirectly indicate that someone is not a Muslim when we see them committing sins or doing bad things or having immoral behavior. Sometimes we use expressions or descriptions of people that in fact, if examined carefully, is equal to declaring them to be out of Islam. And this is a dangerous thing to do. Even though we may say it with a different wording or a different expression or the translation of it in another language, it's still equal to the same thing. Sometimes we say, those people are hypocrites. Look at how they're acting. A hypocrite is a kafir. A hypocrite in Arabic is a munafiq, and a munafiq is a kafir, a disbeliever. We should be careful of the expressions that we use for the Muslims, no matter what their actions may be. We should be careful and not take it lightly. Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, also in his commentary on al-Aqidah al-Tahawiyyah, briefly comments, and he says that the meaning of this statement of al-Imam al-Tahawi that we don't declare such a person to be a kafir for a sin that he commits as long as he doesn't say that that act is lawful. He says the meaning here, saying it's lawful, means that he doesn't hold in his heart the conviction or the belief that it's lawful. Otherwise, every person who commits a sin, in fact, by his action, has declared that thing to be lawful. The fact that someone does it, the action is a statement of declaring that behavior to be lawful. Therefore, we have to make a distinction between those who declare something to be lawful by their actions and those who declare something to be lawful by their conviction or in their heart. Those, the second group, who hold that which Allah has made unlawful to be lawful, those are disbelievers by consensus of the Muslim Ummah. While those who declare something to be lawful by their actions, by committing such an act, while not believing it to be lawful, these people, they are sinners. And they deserve to be punished with the punishment that is in accordance with the action that they commit, unless Allah forgives them. And Allah forgives whomever He wills. Then, after that punishment for Allah's forgiveness, then they would be saved from further punishment by their iman even if that iman was little the person who dies as a Muslim as a muwahid believing in Allah alone even if they committed sins then Allah may punish them or Allah may forgive them and then they would be saved by whatever iman that they had and all of those who testify sincerely to the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam though they might enter the hellfire for some deeds that they did all of those people will come out of the hellfire by one way or another 
whether by intercession of the prophets or the martyrs or whoever Allah would allow to intercede or Allah himself who is the most merciful of those who are merciful would take out from the hellfire the last remaining of the people of this ummah, the people of this qibla even as it is reported in the authentic hadith those who didn't do any good deeds at all but if they testified sincerely to this statement alone of the shahadatain then they would come out of the hellfire they would not be permanently staying in the hellfire here Shaykh al-Albani Hafizahullah says this is opinion, the opinion of the Ahlus and Jama'ah and it is contrary to the opinion of those two groups which we already mentioned the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila those two he said make the ruling upon the people who commit major sins that those people would remain in the hellfire forever even though those two groups differ in how they name or classify such a person one of them the Khawarij said that that person is a kafir disbeliever out of Islam completely and the other one said that he is a munafiq or he said they said that he is not in Islam nor in kufr and he is between the two in their expression that is well known amongst the scholars of Islam they said that such a person is Baina Manzilatain between two positions between Islam and Kufr here Shaykh al-Albani mentions that there is a group a new group which has sprung up who has followed the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila in their declaring the masses of Muslims to be Kafirs the leaders of the Muslims as well as the followers or common people there is a group that has sprung up in our time who has taken a similar position as the Khawarij did declaring the masses of Muslims because the masses of Muslims are committing major sins then they also said that, that the masses of Muslims are out of Islam that they are disbelievers those groups he said are found in Syria they are found in Mecca and they are found in other places they have fallen into some shubahat some doubtful matters or confusing matters as did the Khawarij before them concerning the text which came in Quran or Sunnah which said that the one who does such an action is a kafir or the one who held such a belief is a kafir or who said such a statement is a kafir they misunderstood these texts from Quran and Sunnah and based on their misunderstanding declared every Muslim who committed a major sin as mentioned in the text of these ayahs of Quran or Hadith they declared those people to be Kafirs out of Islam and permanently in the hellfire here Al-Imam Ibn Abil Iz in his expansive commentary of Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah makes a statement which Shaykh Al-Albani uh, reports to us he says that he rahimahullah mentioned a group of such or a number of such texts from the Quran and Sunnah and after mentioning those texts such as the text whoever declares a Muslim to be a kafir then for sure one of them it will come back to one of them and if any Muslim says to another Muslim ya kafir then either that one who he said it to is really a kafir or if he is not then it will come back to him for calling a Muslim a kafir and he will cause himself to go into kufr for such a statement 
as well as the statement of the Prophet ﷺ that whoever yani, argues with a Muslim has committed an act of fisk, rebellion or disobedience and whoever fights with a Muslim has committed kufr. Then also they said from such statements that the one who fights with a Muslim is a kafir and he's out of Islam. And if we would just consider that it did happen Allah, by Allah's will it did happen that there was fighting in the time of Sahaba. In that case, according to their opinion and their understanding of such statements, they would say then all of those Sahaba who fought in such wars, including the wife of the Prophet Aisha radiallahu anha, and some of those who are amongst the ten people who promised paradise, who fought in those wars, then they would have declared such Sahaba, all of them, as being kafirs who would enter the hellfire never to get out. This is a proof that their understanding of such statements is incorrect. These statements need to be put into perspective and understood properly. Afterwards, Al-Imam Ibn Abil Iz, rahimahullah, in his explanation of Aqidah Tahawiyyah, Al-Albani says that he then mentions the saying of the Ahl Sunnah Al-Jama'ah who said that Al-Iman, faith, is speech and actions. It is statements as well as actions. It increase and decrease. This is the general definition that the majority of the Muslim scholars, those of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah, held to be the correct definition of Iman, that it is not only a conviction in the heart, but it is also speech and actions. And it increases and decreases. It increases when someone does good deeds, acts of obedience to Allah, and it decreases when someone commits sins or acts of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They also said, the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, after saying that Iman is actions and speech, not only convictions, and that it increase and decrease, they said that a sin, any sin, whichever one it was, that it is kufr amali la i'tiqadi, that a sin and act of disobedience is kufr amali. It is kufr in actions, not kufr in belief. There is a difference between the two. Kufr in actions means a person does an action which is an action of kufr. Kufr in belief means that a person in their heart does not believe in Allah. There is a difference. Those people get confused between these two kufr. And they said whoever does such an action he is a kafir out of Islam in hellfire forever. Whereas in fact the only people who will be in hellfire forever are those who have kufr in their heart. Who disbelieve in Allah in their heart. Not those who have iman in their heart, though it may be weak, but they do some of the actions of the disbelievers. Yani the actions of disobedience. Action, disobedience to Allah are the actions of, dis, of disbelief, of kufr. Here he says that the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah hold that kufr has levels. And there's kufr dun kufr, which is the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, that there's a kufr which is less than the other kufr. There are levels of kufr. All kufr is not the same. But there is some kufr which is major, which takes a person out of Islam, and there is kufr which is minor kufr, which doesn't take a person out of Islam. It is serious, and it should be taken seriously, but it doesn't take a person out of Islam. The major kufr is kufr i'tiqadi, in the heart. 
the munafiq, he has kufr in his heart. Though he expresses Islam on his tongue or in his actions, but he has kufr in his heart, and therefore, as Allah says in the Quran, he would be in the lowest levels of the hellfire. As for the one who does the actions of kufr, that person, if they have iman in their heart, then that kufr is what is called minor kufr, or kufr duna kufr, the lesser kufr, and it doesn't take the person out of Islam. Just as Iman has levels, there are levels of Iman, not everyone is on the same level of Iman. The Iman, for example, of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, is not like our Iman, or our Iman is not like his Iman. And the Iman of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum ajma'in, is not like the Iman of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and so on. So just as Iman has levels, so also Kufr has levels. Then, Shaykh al-Albani says that Al-Imam Ibn Abi al-Izz, in his explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyyah, mentions a very important example of this principle. He mentions an example which those people who are unmindful of such, who do not understand it properly, have fallen into error, such as that group that he mentioned, those people who are presently amongst us in the world today, in the Muslim world, who are following the way of the people of the past, the Khawarij. He said that those people misunderstood, misunderstood this principle, and therefore they fell into error. He says, Rahimahullah, that there is a very important matter, which is, it is a necessity that it should be understood. And it is that the ruling of a person who rules by other than what Allah has revealed, whoever rules by other than what Allah has revealed. And this is really the major issue of the people of takfir who declared people, the Muslims to be kafirs. This is really the major issue which they misunderstood and which made confusion throughout the Muslim world in every country, in the Arab countries as well as in the Western countries. The issue of the kufr of those who rule by other than what Allah has revealed. Yani other than the sharia. They said that those people, for example, the rulers in Egypt or the rulers in uh, Pakistan or the rulers in Jordan or in any country, whether in the Arab world or outside of the Arab world, they said if they are not ruling by the sharia, they are kafirs. Because of the statement of Allah, that whoever rules by other than what Allah has revealed is a kafir. But also in the tafsir of Ibn Kathir, he mentioned concerning these ayats that there are three statements of Allah that whoever rules by other than what Allah has revealed, he said that they are kafirun. And in another place he said that they are fasiqun. And in another place he said that they are zalimun. And this makes us to know that whoever rules by other than what Allah has revealed are of categories. They are not all the same. They are not all kafirs. But some of them are kafirs, disbelievers out of Islam. Some of them are fasid, disobedient. And some of them are zalim, those who did wrong to themselves or to others. And this has to be understood. Here he says that those who rule by other than what Allah has revealed, Al-Hukm bi ghayri ma Allah, perhaps it may be kufr. Perhaps it may be kufr that takes a person out of Islam. In some cases, it may be ma'asiyah, disobedience or sinful act. Ruling by other than what Allah has revealed, it could be kufr, as well as it could be ma'asiyah, or act of disobedience. Whether it is 
a major or minor act of disobedience. As for the kufr, it might be kufr majaziyan, or it might be kufran asghar. It might be yani what is called kufr majazi, not kufr hakiki. Yani it is not really that the person is out of Islam, but the word kufr is being used here outside of its absolute meaning. The absolute meaning of kufr is the person is out of Islam. But here the word, the word, the term or the expression kufr might be used in another way that doesn't really mean that the person is out of Islam or it means minor kufr. Minor kufr. According to the two opinions, this, the possibility of it being kufr out of Islam or, that, or it being minor kufr or an expression of kufr that is used not to mean the person has gone completely out of Islam this will be according to the condition of the ruler who rules by other than what Allah has revealed we have to look at the condition of the ruler in order to say is his action of ruling by what other than what Allah has revealed is it kufr taking him out of Islam or is it kufr duna kufr yani kufr in actions that doesn't take him out of Islam minor kufr he said that if the ruler believes that his ruling by other than what Allah has revealed or that ruling by other than what Allah has revealed that uh, it is not obligatory on him to rule by the Sharia if he believes that it's not obligatory but he has the choice either to use the Sharia or to use something else if he holds that conviction in his heart that he has a choice he can take the Sharia and rule by it or he may use the man-made laws or if he takes the matter lightly while he knows that the ruling or the right of rulership really belongs to Allah this person is in the condition of kufr akbar yani the person who says or who believes that ruling by what Allah has revealed is not obligatory it is optional he may rule by the sharia or otherwise or he thinks the matter is lightly although he knows that it is really no option in the matter that he, he must rule by what Allah has revealed but he doesn't care about it he knows but he doesn't care and he rules as he wants to rule then this is actually kufr if the person the second case if the person the ruler believes that it is obligatory on him to rule by the law of Allah he knows this in a particular case that he must rule by the law of Allah but he goes outside of the law of Allah and rules by something else but he admits he admits that he deserves to be punished for doing so and he knows that the law of Allah is obligatory on him and he admits that if he doesn't rule by the law of Allah he deserves to be punished but he goes and does something else anyway for some other reason although he is admitting that I must rule by the law of Allah I know that Allah has the right to rule of us but maybe out of weakness or pressure from the kafirs or whatever it may be he rules by other than the law of Allah then this person he said is Asim he is a disobedient person that person who commits this act admitting that he is wrong and that he deserves to be punished this is considered to be ma'asiyah sinful disobedience to Allah 
and that person here is called kafir majaziyan يعني not as a kafir out of Islam but kafir due to his actions this is minor kufr it is kufr amali kufr in actions and his action of ruling by other than, by other than what Allah has revealed is an action of kufr it is kufr amali it is يعني the lesser kufr minor kufr because of his actions but in his heart he believes that the law of Allah is really supposed to be enforced and he admits it and he admits that he should be punished for ruling by other than that that person is under the case of ma'asiyah or sinful disobedience he is not considered to be out of Islam the third case that the Imam mentions is the person who is ignorant of the law of Allah concerning a particular matter though that person makes every effort and tries to know the correct ruling but they made a mistake they tried to know the ruling but they were ignorant of the real ruling they searched and they asked and they tried to seek out the correct ruling but they made a mistake in their ruling this person is called the Mukhti he is mistaken and he receives a reward for his ijtihad for trying to find the right ruling even though he made a mistake and he is forgiven for his mistake and he is forgiven for his mistake this is the end of what Shaykh al-Albani uh, transmitted from the Sharh of Ibn Abd al-Iz and that Sharh concerning this matter is lengthy a number of pages this is a summary of the most important points which he said concerning this matter the important thing here is to keep in mind that not every action that a person commits even if that action has been described in the Quran or in the authentic Sunnah as an act of kufr it should not be the cause for us to say that someone is a kafir and they are out of Islam this language kufr is used in different ways it may be used as here in the Quran in reference to those who rule by other than what Allah has revealed it is used in a way to indicate different uh, conditions of the people the person who it is applicable to it might be applicable to it might be used in a way that it means kufr that takes somebody out of Islam or it might be used in a way that it means kufr in actions which doesn't take the person out of Islam but it is a major sin and the person will be punished severely for such unless Allah forgives them and Allah may forgive whoever he wills the second point of Al-Imam Tahawi point number 58 uh, briefly he says and this is related to the same topic and we do not say it is not our saying it is not the saying of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah we do not say la yadurru ma'al iman dhambun liman amilahu yani that if someone has faith or iman in their heart that their sins which they commit He says, the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah also do not say that the sins which a person commits has no harmful effect on him as long as he retains Iman. Verily, this is the saying or the position or the opinion of the Murji'ah. And I think we distributed previously one handout concerning the various groups that deviated from Islam and we mentioned in that handout the Khawarij, the Mu'tazila, the Murji'a and so many other groups these names are not so important but the concepts or the beliefs that they held are very important 
so that we don't fall into such. The Murji'ah held this opinion that if someone has Iman in their heart, they might commit whatever sins they want, it has no harmful effect on them, no problem. This belief leads to the denial of the ayats of Al-Wa'id, the ayats of threatening where Allah has mentioned in the Qur'an punishment for those who commit certain sins. So many ayats in the Qur'an, Allah threatens those who commit sins with certain punishments, with hellfire and so on. And such a belief that sin has no harmful effect on the one who has Iman in his heart is a contradiction or a negation of such ayat. In fact, al-ma'asiyah or disobedience or sin reduces one's iman. And as such, we fear for the person who continues to commit sins that their iman might completely leave them. If iman reduces, if iman is reduced by sins, the more sins a person commits, the more their iman is reduced and we fear that their iman might completely disappear. And we also fear for them the punishment of Allah because Allah has threatened those who disobey Him with severe punishments. And we fear that they might be punished for such acts in the next life. Briefly, Shaykh al-Bani comments concerning this point similar to what uh, Shaykh Muhammad al-Khumis has said. Shaykh al-Bani says, the reason why we don't make such a statement is because this is the statement of the Murji'ah and that statement leads to denial of the ayats and the hadith which have been reported concerning the disobedient people of this ummah the ayats and hadith concerning the disobedient people of this ummah if we hold such a belief it would be a denial or a negation of such ayats of the Quran and such hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and also it would be a denial of the fact that there are many groups of those who committed acts of disobedience whether major or minor who would enter the hellfire as a punishment justified from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then they would come out of the hellfire by al-shafa'a intercession or by some other reason and we discussed this in the issue the previous issue of al-imam al-tahawi when he mentioned al-shafa'a that the people who committed major sins that they might come out of the hellfire by intercession of those whom Allah would be pleased to allow to intercede for them. So whoever holds such a belief that sins don't cause any harm to the one who has Iman then this is also a denial of the fact that some of the believers who have Iman would enter the hellfire and then they would come out by intercession. If sin have no bad effect or no evil effect on the person who has some Iman then nobody would enter the hellfire. But in fact it is no doubt about it that some of the people of this ummah would enter the hellfire as reported in so many authentic hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim and one of them is the hadith in Sahih Muslim in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that after all of those who Allah would allow to intercede would intercede then Allah who is the most merciful of those who are merciful would take a handful a handful and Allah's hand is not like the hand of any of his creatures and we don't know how is Allah's hand but he said that Allah would take a handful 
of those people who remained from the people of this Ummah, the Ahl Qibla, Allah would take a handful of those people out of the hellfire who had not done any good deeds. This is also a proof against the idea that sins do not cause any harm to the person who retains some degree of Iman. Also, Ibn Abdul Iz, rahimahullah, concerning this statement of Imam al-Tahawi in his explanation, said that he, Imam al-Tahawi, meant to refute the murji'ah. By this statement, he intended exactly to refute the murji'ah. Those who said that one's sins cause no harm as long as they have some iman. They said that sins cause no harm to the one who has iman just as acts of obedience are of no benefit to the one who has kufr. They said that if a person is a kafir, his acts of obedience don't benefit him in any way. So also, if a person is a believer, then his acts of disobedience don't harm him in any way. This is their reasoning. They are on one side of the extreme. And on the other side of the extreme, says Imam Ibn Abid Iz, is the Khawarij, who said that the Muslim who commits a sin is a kafir, if it is a major sin. And also the Mu'atazila, who said that a person's iman leaves him completely by committing a major sin. If anyone commits a major sin, his iman comes out of him completely. It is removed from him. He has no more iman. And nothing of his iman remains from him. But the difference between, between the first group, the Khawarij, and the second group, the Mu'atazila, he says, is that the Khawarij say that the person who commits a major sin goes out of Iman and goes into Kufr. Yani they are no longer a Mu'min, but they become completely a Kafir. Whereas the Mu'tazila say that the person who commits a major sin goes out of Iman, but they do not go into Kufr. Yani they leave Iman, but they don't enter into Kufr. That means that they are in a position between two positions, between Iman and Kufr. But both of them, by their statement, say that the person, uh, when he goes out of Iman, then uh, when all of the Iman leaves him, though he doesn't go into Kufr, he is required to be in the hellfire forever. Finally, uh, the last statement that we can take tonight is the statement of Imam Al-Tahawi. نرجو للمحسنين من المؤمنين أن يعفو عنهم ويدخلهم الجنة برحمته. That we have hope for the muhsinun, those who do good deeds from amongst the believers. The muhsinun from amongst the believers, not those who do good deeds from amongst the kuffar, disbelievers. But the muhsinun, muhsinin من المؤمنين. We have hope. That Allah will pardon them uh, and that He would allow them to enter the paradise by Rahmatihi, by His Rahmah, by His mercy. Not by their good deeds, but by Allah's mercy. We have hope for those who do good deeds that Allah will pardon them uh, for their shortcomings and that He would enter them into the paradise by His mercy. But we are not certain, definite that such that they will be pardoned we are not certain 
And we cannot testify with certainty that they will enter the paradise, the doers of good deeds. We are not sure. We cannot say for sure that they will be in paradise. As for those who commit sins or those who do bad deeds, we ask Allah's forgiveness for the wrongdoers from amongst the Muslims. Not forgiveness for the wrongdoers from amongst the Kafirs, but from amongst the Muslims. We ask Allah's forgiveness for them and we fear for them. We fear the punishment of Allah which they deserve for their sins and disobedience to Allah. But though we fear for them, we do not give up hope. We are not in despair for them. Because we know that Allah's mercy overcomes His wrath. This is the balance of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. That we, as far as those who do good from amongst the believers, we hope that Allah, we have hope that Allah will pardon them and that Allah will enter them into paradise, though we cannot say for certainty. And as for those who do bad deeds, we seek forgiveness for them. And we fear that Allah may punish them, but we do not give up hope. We are not in despair for them. We hope even for them, for Allah's mercy. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis, in his brief commentary, says that the Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah say that the believer who does good deeds, we hope for him that he would enter the paradise. And we expect the good news for him if he dies in that condition. And if he dies in the condition of doing good deeds, then we expect the good news of paradise for him. But nonetheless, we cannot be certain that he will escape from Allah's punishment for whatever shortcomings he has. And therefore we do not say with certainty that that person is guaranteed to be in the paradise. As for those who commit sins, the wrongdoers from amongst the believers, we seek forgiveness for them and we see Allah's punishment upon them. But we do not say that because they were wrongdoers or sinful people, we do not say that they would definitely be in the hellfire. Because this is giving up hope of the mercy of Allah. And the believer never gives up hope of the mercy of Allah. Allah says in the Quran that those who give up hope of the mercy of Allah are kafirun. So we don't give up hope. He goes on to say that the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah do not make any definite statement concerning anyone that they would be in the paradise except those who authentic texts from the Qur'an or from the Sunnah has identified that they are the people of paradise. And if there is a statement in the Qur'an or a statement in authentic hadith that identifies a particular individual, then we can say for sure that that person will be in the paradise. Otherwise, we cannot say for anyone, no matter how good they may be, we cannot say for sure that any particular individual by name will be in the paradise. And likewise, we don't say that any particular individual will definitely be in the hellfire. That is, from amongst the believers. Unless there is a clear text uh, showing it that they are of the people of the hellfire. Otherwise, uh, without any clear text from the Quran or from the Sunnah, then we do not make any definite statement concerning any Muslim, no matter what their sins or deeds may be. That is, that they will be in the hellfire or in the paradise. Shaykh al-Albani, Hafizullah, says concerning this that we should know 
that the position of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah is that we do not testify that anyone who dies from amongst the Muslims they will be in the paradise or in the hellfire except those whom the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has testified for or informed us of such. But we hope for the good doers and we fear for those who commit sins from amongst the Muslims. And this we should keep in mind here look at the condition of many of the people when any scholar or ruler or king or other than that is mentioned who has died and those people say Al-Maghfur lahu aw sakin al-jannan and even worse than that are those who say wa nuqila ila rafiq al-a'la these are common statements that we hear the Muslim peoples saying today when the ruler or the king or the emir or the leader or a scholar dies they say al-maghfur lahu that he has been forgiven and nobody knows who has been forgiven forgiveness is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some of them said when they heard about such a person name mentioned they said he is living in the gardens of paradise who can say that such a person is in paradise and worse than that those who said he has been transferred to al-rafiq al-a'la and al-rafiq al-a'la is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but it is the companionship of the prophets and the martyrs and the righteous and the truthful who can say that they will be in the companionship of such when no one knows the secrets of any human being who has passed except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the final judge of such and we should be careful of such statements and even uh, it is even very very common amongst the people who went to jihad in Afghanistan or in Bosnia or in other countries where Muslims were fighting in jihad to say that when anyone was killed while fighting in jihad that he died as shaheed and we cannot say so because only Allah knows what was in the heart of any person who was fighting was he really fighting for the sake of Allah purely or was he fighting to say that he was a mujahid as recorded in the hadith of the Prophet so we should be careful from such statements a shaheed means that a person has died fighting for the way of Allah and that means that that person is guaranteed paradise and we cannot say that anyone is guaranteed paradise except those who have been specifically mentioned by name in the Quran or in the authentic Sunnah also uh, saying such, making such statements comes under the title or the position of Al-Qawl ala Allah bila ilm speaking about Allah without knowledge saying something that belongs to Allah alone while we have no knowledge of such things and this speaking or, or saying something in front of Allah without having knowledge is equal to or is the partner of shirk speaking about Allah or the religion of Allah without knowledge and making and these statements come under that title although that is a general heading speaking about the deen of Allah or speaking about Allah without knowledge without proof from the Quran and Sunnah this is the partner, the equal of shirk as mentioned in the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf chapter 7 verse 33 وَأَن تُشْرِكُوا بِاللَّهِ مَا لَمْ يُنَزِّلْ بِهِ سُلْطَانًا وَأَن تَقُولُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ That whoever makes shirk with Allah doing something for which Allah has not revealed any authority and also he coupled to that the one who makes a statement about Allah while they do not know they have no knowledge of such as for the mushrik finally Shaykh al-Albani says as for the mushrik we testify that he would definitely be in the hellfire the mushrikun the pagan disbelievers we testify for sure that they will be in the fire 
As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 72, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدَ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنْصَارِ But whoever uh, makes shirk of Allah, then Allah has made it haram for that person to enter the paradise and their resting place or their home, their destination will be the hellfire and there will be no helpers for the Dalimun, here meaning the Mushrikun, those who make shirk. And this ayah actually is general, though it was revealed specifically in reference to the Christians, as the beginning of the ayah indicates the saying of Allah, لَقَدَ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحِ ibn Maryam, that those have definitely disbelieved who said by their tongues that verily Allah, He is Al-Masih, the son of Mary. وَقَالَ الْمَسِيحِ يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ رَبِّي وَرَبُّكُمْ While he, Al-Masih السلام, Jesus, peace be upon him, said, O Bani Israel, worship Allah, my Lord, and your Lord. Though this ayah was revealed in reference to the Christians, but in fact it is general uh, that the disbelievers, the pagan disbelievers, will definitely be in the hellfire. And a different ruling is in reference to the believers, the people of the Ahlul Qibla, even though they might commit an act of kufr or an act of shirk, the ruling for the people of the Qibla is different than the Ahl Kitab or the Mushrikun in general. Uh, though there is still يعني, something to be said here and the time is finished, perhaps we will take five minutes just to complete the final statement uh, concerning this matter and close with this. Uh, the commentary of Shaykh Abdulaziz ibn Baz, rahimahullah, he says here, uh, similarly to what we have already mentioned, but perhaps there is some benefit in his expression, the way he discussed the matter. He said the intended meaning of Imam al-Tahawi of this statement. He said uh, the statement that we don't testify that anyone of the good doers that they will be in paradise. He means here that we don't testify for anyone except those whom the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam testified for. That they will be in Jannah, such as al-Ashra, al-Mubashra, Al-Mubashiruna bil Jannah, those ten people who were given the good news of paradise. They have been mentioned by name Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali, Talha and Zubair, uh, Sa'id and Sa'ad, and uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, and Abu, uh, Abu Ubaidah ibn al Jarrah, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. These ten and others such as them. Whom, whom the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned by name and testified to the fact that Allah made it known to him that these people are guaranteed paradise. Other than the case of such people, we don't testify for anyone else that they would be in the paradise. Uh, and concerning this matter, at the end of the book of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah, near the end, point number 95, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi specifically mentions in detail what he means here, as he mentioned the ten people who are promised paradise, and that they are of those who we may testify that they will be in the paradise, as the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has testified for them. Also, we should know that the Aqidah of Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah is that we make shahada, or we bear witness and testify for the believers, the mu'mineen, as well as the pious, the muttaqeen, in general, that they are Ahlul Jannah, they are of the people of paradise, in general. 
Though we don't say specifically about anyone except it has been mentioned specifically by the Prophet ﷺ But in general, the mu'mineen and the muttaqeen, we say in general that they are the people of paradise And, in, and also the, the kuffar and the mushrikeen and the munafiqeen, we also say that in general that they are the people of the hellfire And this has been indicated in a number of ayats of the Qur'an as well as in the sunnah al-mutawafirah the sunnah which has been reported by innumerable uh, chains of narrators from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and from amongst those sayings is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reference to the believers or the muttaqeen inna al-muttaqeena fi jannatin wa na'im that's in Surah Tur, chapter 52 verse 17 that verily the muttaqeen the people who have taqwa that they will be in gardens and in pleasure this is a statement, a general statement for the muttaqeen that they, were, they are the people of paradise though we don't say about any particular individual soul and also the saying of Allah Azza wa Jalla وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ جَنَّاتِ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْدِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا that Allah has promised the believing men and the believing women that they will be in gardens underneath which rivers flow abiding in it forever and this is in Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 72 such ayats are numerous in the Qur'an of similar meaning and so also he mentioned concerning the disbelievers the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Fatir chapter 35 verse 36 kafaru lahum nar jahannam lahum nar jahannam that for those who disbelieved there will be the fire of jahannam la yuqda alayhim fayamutu that they will not be completely killed such that if they died يعني, they would be freed from the punishment and the punishment of the hellfire would not be lightened and in this way we reward every disbelieving person يعني, that they would not be killed, they would not die in the hellfire but they would be living enough so that they can be punished and the punishment would not be lightened from them and also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Nisa chapter 4 verse 145 إِنَّ fi darakil asfala min nar that the, the hypocrites, the munafiqeen they would be in the lowest level of the hellfire the lowest of all disbelievers will be the munafiqeen, the hypocrites وَلَن تَجِدَ لَهُمْ نَصِيرًا and you will not find, you will never find for them any helper and so also the ayats concerning the disbelievers and the hypocrites are many indicating that they are the people of the hellfire and they would definitely be in the hellfire so in general we say that we don't declare or make shahada or testimony of any individual specifically whether their good deeds are many or whatever that they would be in paradise nor if their bad deeds are too much that they would be in the hellfire from amongst the believers but we hope that Allah would pardon those who do good and that he would allow them to enter the paradise and we seek forgiveness for those who do evil and we fear the punishment of Allah upon them but we don't despair for them we hope for the mercy of Allah upon them and the decision is finally with Allah in any case those who commit sins whether major or minor they may repent from it and whoever makes sincere repentance Allah accepts their repentance and removes their sins from them and whoever didn't repent on Yawm Qiyamah they will be called to account for their deeds everything will be brought clear in front of them whether major or minor 
Allah will punish whoever He wills out of His justice and He might forgive whomever He wills out of His mercy. After such, the people of the Qibla who have any degree of Iman in their heart, who testified sincerely to the Tawheed of Allah and the Prophet of Muhammad wasallam, they will be taken out of the hellfire through one way or another. <coughs> And this is the general ruling except for those who have been specifically mentioned by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If there are any comments or corrections or questions before we leave. Uh, I think the adhan has been called. And uh, maybe we have just a few moments before, we, before the iqama. So uh, do the brothers have any questions or any comments before we take the questions or comments of the sisters? Is the hadith which says that if a person dies while performing certain acts of disobedience such as adultery, stealing or drinking alcohol dies in disbelief, a sound hadith, please explain, may Allah reward you. <coughs> I don't know the hadith specifically uh, that is being referred to here, but in any case, there is a hadith similar to this in which the Prophet wasallam, it is an authentic hadith in which he said that a believer is not a believer while they are performing such acts as mentioned here uh, zina, adultery or fornication drinking alcohol or stealing that the person while they are in the act they are in the process of committing such an act their iman is removed from them as the scholars of Ahl Sunnah wal Jumu'ah said and when they leave such act their iman returns to them if a person, that hadith as, as I know didn't mention that if a person dies in that state what condition they would be in but if a person died in that state and Allah knows best they probably come under the title of the ayah of the Quran where Allah tells us to fear Allah and don't die except in a state of Islam <laughs> A Muslim should beware of committing such acts because nobody knows in what condition they would die when Allah would take their life. Perhaps a person will be committing such a sin and, and while their iman has been removed from them, Allah may take their soul and they would die in that condition and Allah only knows what condition they would be in. But a Muslim should keep this in mind and fear such as some of the scholars of tafsir said, then that means, this ayah means that Allah is calling on the believers to avoid such acts and don't die except in a state as a Muslim, وَأَنْتُمْ Muslimun, Since nobody knows when they would die, then Allah is telling us to always be in a state of submission. Don't be in a state of disobedience, because you don't know when Allah will take your soul. This is a, a, a serious uh, warning and a threat to the believers to avoid such condition. Uh, <coughs> and also, يعني, we don't expect that those who have Iman, strong Iman, and who understand, who have knowledge of the deen, that they would be falling into such major acts of sin. But Allah asks us to avoid the major sins, and whoever avoids the major sins, then Allah will forgive them their minor sins. So, يعني, it is our expectation that we should avoid at least such major sins so that we don't find ourselves in such a condition. And if we fall into minor sins, then we ask Allah's forgiveness immediately, and we don't delay our seeking Allah's forgiveness or repentance. A Muslim theoretically knows about his religion, but when it comes to actions, like for example the performing of Salat, even though they hear the Adhan, they will not go to the Masjid because they said they have already the intention of praying. No need to do the prayer. What kind of Muslim are these? 
I don't know what kind of Muslims these are. We just get finished talking about takfir, so let us be careful how we use our tongue. We can say, this is the issue that the scholars discussed in detail. I will say, what is the position of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah? We say that the person, whoever does an act of kufr, this is kufr. We say that whoever says an act, a word of kufr, this is kufr. But we don't specify the individual that when you saw someone doing such an act, you say, so and so, he is a kafir. Because I saw him abandoning salat. If somebody abandons salat, he is a kafir. This is the words of the Prophet Whoever abandons salat is a kafir. That's what we say. That whoever did such and such, then they are kafir. Whoever said such and such, they are kafir. Keeping in mind that this kufr is kufr amali, kufr of actions. It doesn't remove the person necessarily from Islam. Although it's true that if a person continue to do such acts, they might go out of Islam. They might go out of Islam. But it is not for us to say that every action that a person does of kufr, that we might declare that specific person to be a kafir for such an act. But we say in general that whoever did such and such and so and so, as the Prophet said, or as found in the Quran, if we find any text for such actions, we will say that the one who did that is a kafir. This is the position of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and it is not our position to then go to such a person or to say about a particular person by name that he or she is a kafir because they did something as mentioned in the Quran or in the Sunnah that has been identified as kufr. At least the seriousness of this matter, of abandoning the salat, by it being classified or called by kufr, it makes us to know that it is very serious. And even if we say, as Imam al-Shawkani says in Nail al-Awta discussing this issue, he said that even if we say that this is kufr amali, or kufr duna kufr, that's the word that he used, even if we say that it is kufr duna kufr, yani the lesser kufr, does any believer want to be called by any type of kufr, major or minor kufr? Does any believer feel happy and comfortable that he will be called a kafir of minor kufr? I think that no believer will be يعني, happy to be identified as such. If a Muslim woman goes to work driven by a chauffeur with muhrim, is this a clear act of disobedience or major or minor sin? If she goes to work driven by a chauffeur with a muhrim, or muhram, muhram, it's written here mahram, but it should be mahram. Uh, if she has a mahram with her, yani a person of her near relatives who is of the prohibited degree, who she cannot marry, she cannot marry, not her cousin, who is a relative, close blood relative, but she can marry her cousin, but one who she cannot marry, such as her uncle from her mother's side or father's side, or her father or her grandfather, or her brother, or her son, or her brother's son, or her sister's son, all of those are mahram for her of the prohibited degrees. If she goes to work with such a mahram with her, accompanying her, there is no harm in such. She is not alone with the chauffeur, she is escorted by her mahram. So this is not a sin, it is not an act of disobedience, major or minor. And Allah knows best. Any final comments before we close? This is the end of the questions of the sisters. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadwan la ilaha ila anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.
Okay, maybe if the question means if a Muslim woman goes to work driven by a chauffeur without a mahram, but it says with mahram. If they mean without a mahram, then it's clear. The answer to the other question is also clear. If she goes without a mahram, then it's obviously any disobedience. It's not permissible. If 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 it's permissible for her to go because she is with her mahram, then she is. If she is without a mahram, it's not permissible. It's not permissible for any woman to go to work or to go to the shop or to go to her relatives or to go any place driven by a chauffeur who is not a mahram for her and she is not accompanied by a mahram she is not allowed to be alone she is not allowed to be alone with a strange man this khalwa is prohibited in Islam I don't know I don't know الله أعلم.